listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey friends, today's episode is with my friend Nicole, who is a genuine real life friend that I've gotten to walk with the last few years, but she is also the author of a new book called From Lost to Found. Nicole is a licensed therapist. She's also a mom. She also has a really beautiful story of loss and fear and what to do when you have to trade in the things you want most for what God wants for you. I think that's an honest thing that a lot of us wrestle with. And so I know you're going to love this interview and this time with Nicole. Hey friends, welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We are chatting today with my friend, Nicole Zazowski. You are going to be blessed by her. And I am making this found Nicole on the front end to not try to turn this into a free therapy session for myself. (laughs) So (laughs) I am sure ethics probably prevent that from happening. But I, you know, when I meet a wise woman who can give a little wisdom, I, I sometimes go for it. Well, I would love that. <laughs> hey, I, thanks I for... might, I might uh, ask for a therapy session in the reverse. <laughs> I, I am not qualified the way you are. Listen, thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. You know, I love you. And, I love you. Um, any chance I get to chat with you is, is great by me. Same, same. I love you. I love this book from lost to found. I got to read it a while ago and I was so grateful. And you and I are not just internet co-writer friends, but also have a mutual friend in a gal who went to our church here. And so I've gotten to know to know and get to know Nicole for the last few years. And I am so grateful to get to share her with you guys. Hey, tell us a little bit about From Lost to Found. From Lost to Found is about how God moved through a story that I would have never been brave enough to choose for myself and how he showed me that sometimes his rescue looks like prying our fingers off of what we think we want so that we can receive what we truly need, which is more of him and becoming more like him and how on the far side or even in the midst of pain, we do not prefer that we find transformation that we wouldn't trade. Yeah. Wow. 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 So, so, so good. But back up even further and I'll tell you, I don't remember exactly what I I had the honor of writing an endorsement for your book. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something along the lines of, we need more women like Nicole, who you are so kind. I mean it, who <laughs> you have, it's, it's not just that a license makes you qualified or, or equipped in any way, but you have this incredible training as being a marriage and family therapist. And it is crazy and beautiful to me how much, that informs and empowers your writing. Mm. And there's a weight to your words and a weight to even your storytelling that I know so many women are going to, are going to feel like the, the similar comfort they feel when they sit down in their counselor's office 
And if they don't have the privilege of maybe having gone to a counselor before or seen a therapist in the past, I think they're going to feel some immediate like freedom that they, that might feel new and fresh. And I, I can't get over how, how much that translates into your writing. Oh, thank you so much. That's really kind of you. And I hope so. I hope that people experience the same freedom that I got to experience in the living of that story. I think, you know, for many years I had been helping people find peace and joy outside of circumstance. It's one of my biggest passions as a marriage and family therapist, but I didn't realize that I was personally missing out on the very freedom that I was so excited about helping others find. And so that's what this story is too. It's, it's me learning to trust for myself what I knew to be true for other people. And so it, it hopefully the words come from both the mud pit <laughs> and what I know to be true through my training as a, as a therapist. Hmm. So, so, so good. Okay. Let's noodle it around. Let's talk about it. I really am dying laughing because every I'm dying laughing on the inside because every question I I prepped to ask you, I realized sounded like a question I would ask my counselor. So that's what I mean by I'm trying. <laughs> I love it. I'm really trying to not, you know, cross any boundaries here. Love but it. in From Lost to Found, you talk a lot about naming what we fear losing the most. Mm-hmm. And it is so interesting to me. It's it's one of those, it's like an introspective hole I could fall into if I wanted to. For me, looking back at my life and realizing that what I fear losing most is control. And what's been really interesting for me is noticing how for me, like the rope out of that hole very often is realizing the control I have in my reactions, which is so much also what the book is about. And I don't know, I, I, I just could talk about it forever. But so will you just speak into that a little bit for those of us who, who grapple with those things, not, not only fear, but the idea of not having control or letting go of what's happening around us or what's going to happen to us. What, ha- what has that like rope out of the hole looked like for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think the first thing to realize is that we all do something to try and protect ourselves from pain. That's Mm. totally understandable, but not very helpful. Control is certainly a big one for me and a big one for a lot of people. One of the things that was so sneaky about that in my life is that control has a lot of different faces. There's a lot of different things that fall in that bucket um, in terms of reactive behaviors, but our culture really celebrates a lot of what would fall in that bucket. So perfectionism, performance, you know, micromanaging, outworking, you know, these are all things that I personally, that ran rampant in my life for way too long because they were sort of working for me. They weren't really in terms of me experiencing any true peace or true joy, but they were very celebrated and they mostly got me what I wanted. And so the beginning of the book sort of describes that life where I was sort of humming along. And then all of a sudden I reached the edge of the cliff where I was all out of, 
you know, I had no more cards to play. They, mm -hmm. they stopped working for me, those behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that was extraordinarily painful. I mean, I, I confronted things I couldn't change no matter how hard I worked. I, you know, I just couldn't make it different. And so I was left empty handed. And at that point, you know, it, it never feels good to be left standing <laughs> with yeah. empty hands or when, when the thing we're used to doing to feel valuable as a person or secure in our circumstances just doesn't work. But there's an invitation there. And I think back to your question, you know, we all, we all do something as in defense of our pain and blaming other people, getting really angry is one, shaming ourselves, beating ourselves up is another, controlling, and then anything we do to escape or numb would be the fourth main category. Yeah. And so there's a lot of freedom, like you said, in naming what it is that we do to try and defend against our pain. But then once we name what isn't working anymore, we have to look at our empty hands and say, what's the invitation here? Mm. What can I grab onto that's more, like what's a more enduring hope or what's more sure in terms of where I want to invest my identity and sense of security? Which is just a really kind thing of God that he's right? like, I know you need to hold on to something. Yes. So yes. I'm going to give you a worshipful response to hold on uh -huh. to, you know, uh -huh. like I know until heaven, like you can't hold my hand. You can't see my face. Yes. You're going to need something. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to hand you a helpful tool in worship. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And what I realize is that empty hands, that's not a comfortable position to be in, but yeah. only empty hands are open. Yeah. So I describe it as God gave me the gift of empty hands because I, all my familiar touch points of security were stripped away and you're right. It's absolutely a gift to be able to have open hands to receive yeah. something that's actually going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. So you may not see this on the Amazon page. You may not see it right away about the book. There is a beautiful underweaving as far as your story and your story regarding your kids and mm. pregnancy and loss and waiting. Will you share? I think that we could, we could easily skip to the like earthly redemption of that, which we mm -hmm. know in Jesus name, there has been some beautiful earthly fruit in that yes. area of your, of your life. But will you talk about the kingdom fruit that came mm -hmm. from that waiting just for you? Yeah. So one of the questions I get a lot, and this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but the book actually ends with no, no real drastic change in my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And people ask me all the time why I chose to end the book, you know, before the birth of my son, which uh, the book isn't about infertility and miscarriage specifically, but it is a major through line in terms of how God worked through my heart in a lot of those circumstances. And my answer is I didn't want to confuse that, that the answer to my pain was not the gift, but the giver. Mm. And 
that is the main umbrella of the kingdom fruit that God did in my heart is I think I used to believe that if I was good enough that I would get the blessing, Mm -hmm. that, that the blessing was the fruit of my hard work or my own goodness instead of the goodness of God. And I saw the gifts in this life as, I mean, I hate to say it, but as entitlements and rewards for my own efforts and my own goodness instead of what they truly are, which is just pure gifts. There's a ton of fruit in my own heart that came from the waiting and longing, but recognizing that our hope is in the giver and not the gift. You know, one of the ways I've seen God work through my heart the most makes me think of Ecclesiastes 3, where Solomon is describing what I refer to as a ledger, but there's sort of these seasons that are more pleasant and then these seasons that we would describe as more difficult. And what I have realized is that I've often tended to define blessing as a dream realized or a goal achieved instead of just recognizing that there is blessing in any story Mm. that inflames our longing for Christ. And that is really what this story has done for me is stripped away all those familiar touch points of security. And it's not the story I would have chosen for myself, to be honest, Jess. Yeah. And if somebody had said, you know, because it's an ongoing circumstance that we're going to continue to face. If somebody offered to take it away, this diagnosis that causes all these miscarriages for us, you know, I would, I would probably sign up for that. Right. (laughs) I would probably say, okay, but if I have to go through this, goodness, am I glad that God used it to let me know more of who he is. I have a totally different understanding of his character and the relationship between the two of us is totally different having been through this. And I don't want to trade that. Mm. That's the kingdom fruit that he has somehow taken this pain that I don't believe he causes and, and showed me more of himself and molded me more into his likeness. Mm -hmm. And that's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Needs to be blessed. That's so good. That's so good. Hey gals, it's around that time again where we are having another Go and Tell Gals event. We are really excited to announce that we are having our second ever live event here in Charleston, South Carolina. We are calling it Inhale, Exhale, and it's going to be a night of worship and teaching and wild encouragement for women who are running on mission. Tickets are just $50, and Charleston is a really fun place to find yourself for a girls weekend. So run to our website, get your ticket, grab some friends, and we'll see you on March 20th in Charleston for Inhale, Exhale. So I believe and I would imagine that some of our listeners would relate to one interesting part of your story right now is that you're you're switching gears into something you've never done before, which is a traditionally published book that's about to come out from marriage and family therapy, which you have been doing well for, for a season 
what's challenging as you kind of shift gears into sharing this message and promoting it? What are the challenges? What are the the fears or the struggles that that live in this season of mission for you? Mm, it's a really good question. Yeah, I'm going to be brutally honest. <laughs> You know, not that I never feel anxious as a marriage and family therapist, but book writing and being in the merging lane of this being out in the world and shifting gears from the the private writing and editing part of this mm-hmm. to the more public part of this, it's anxiety provoking for me. And as you read in the book, one of the reasons for that is I really struggle with, or one of the ways I've stabilized my identity and security is to win the approval of others. And so when you have a piece of your heart and story and work coming out into the world, subject to a lot of different opinions, that's bound to cause anxiety. (laughs) So one of the ways that God is really speaking into that and challenging me is giving me an opportunity to practice the words I wrote which is he's just inviting me to to learn to listen to one voice and that's his. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this word, but the Greek word for anxiety is merimneo mm-hmm. and it means to be divided. And that was so interesting mm. to me. I I had never thought of anxiety as a division, but what I realized is and there's lots of different definitions of anxiety out there, but that's been a really powerful for one, one for me spiritually, because I've realized I get anxious when there's more than one motivation in my heart. Yeah. When my heart is divided and when I have more than one object of worship in my life. Yeah. And so he's just really bringing me back to that message of saying, make me the one source of your actions and make me the one object of your worship, even, you know, as all these messages about sales and approval and, you know, this opportunity for the book and that opportunity are swirling around, you know, keeping him the one source of my actions and the one object of my worship is going to be really key for me. I love that. That's so, so incredibly good. I love it so much. Okay, and as you prepare to launch, as you get even more passionate about this message, because I know it's going to feel like you can't love it more and you can't care about it more, (laughs) but you're only going to care about it more and more. I know it, and I know it's going to affect and shift and, and serve so many women along the way. How can we be praying for you? Oh, that's really, really a kind question, and I so appreciate it. I think first and foremost that God would take the words that really he gave me. I mean, I, you know what this is like. I sat down on my, at my computer to start writing this book and throughout I've just been praying, Lord, put the words in it that you want in it and take out the ones that you don't. So I really trust that, that these, these are his words. It's his book, but just, for this next phase that God would take those words and work through them, through his Holy spirit in the, in the hearts of the people that are going to read this book 
that is a, my major prayer. So I would love company in that. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, this is a little vulnerable for me to say, but I, I sometimes have a hard time seeing the joy and the good because I am so fixated on my own vision of things. And so it can, and I talk a little bit about this in the book too, that I can easily miss God's provision because I am way too focused on my own vision. And so just that I would be able to see God's provision for what it is, even if it looks different than what I think it's going to, and that I would have courage to celebrate that. I think that's a, a big personal prayer for this season. I love that. I tell you what, that might need to be your next book, The Courage to Celebrate, because I'm ready, I'm ready for you to write that one too. <laughs> you know, you know, Jess, <laughs> that's kind of percolating. I don't know, maybe. Wow, <laughs> we'll wow. I, I'd that. like to hear your words on that. That sounds really cool. Man, we're so grateful. Thank you so much, Nicole. We're so grateful, not just for the heart and soul and wisdom and honesty and generosity that you've poured into this book. But for how you're shepherding the hearts of women online and right where you're at um, in your practice and in your home. And we're just super grateful for you. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. And you are not allowed to edit this part out. You are the most, you, you just live generously. And I could cry talking about how you've impacted my life through your own work, but also through your friendship. And I wasn't joking when I said I might turn this into a reverse counseling session because mm. I know I know you're not technically a therapist, but you <laughs> you have such deep wisdom and I have benefited and I love you so much and am grateful that you had me on today. Oh, I love you. You are such a gift. Thank you, friend. Mm-hmm.